my name is Jean Gallagher, financial advisor and founder of my financial advising business, Seaside Solutions, and founder of Discover Rising Tides. Welcome to show 31, Discover Rising Tides, how the outside makes the inside better, where we explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining life balance. Through this series, we will be talking to women business owners to understand their journey. And we'll also be hearing from Lynn Schusser-Williams, as always, she's author and a coach in her segment, Rising Up. But first, today I'm excited to introduce Deb Matlock. Hi, Deb. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited for this. And so uh, just a quick background. There's nothing quick about your background because there's so much to it. So I'm just gonna give a short version and then we'll fill in all the blanks as we go. Um, Deb grew up in Colorado and is deeply committed to nurturing the connection between people, animals, earth, and spirit. She spent 25 years working on a professional environmental and humane educator and naturalist. She's also a nature-based spiritual life coach and companion. Deb offers nature-based spiritual guidance work, animal communication, nature connection practitioner training, and workshops through her business, Wild Rhythms. So welcome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. We we did we had a great time. I don't um, when we were just learning learning about each other the other day. So I'm excited for this. So um, give us an idea about your business, but also what I want to dive into today is to talk about your business, but also the journey of where you started and how it's changed for you to bring you to where you are today. So let's start with that. Um, how where did you start in this journey and Take us with you. Awesome. Um, wow, what a great question. You know, I started my business in 2003, which I really can't believe is almost two decades ago at this point. And I had this idea that I, I was working as an environmental educator and a naturalist, and I was working with um, state parks and city municipalities and nonprofits. And I, I love that work. I still do. And I also kept finding myself up against this edge of, but I want to do some creative work that might not necessarily align with the missions of each of the organizations I was working with. And in a lot of cases for me, that meant wanting to explore people's <clears throat> spiritual connection to, to place, how people find a sense of sacred in the natural world, you know, integration of the more than human voice into, into life. Some of those things don't work so well when you're working for a government municipality or something like that, you know? So I created Wild Rhythms as a container and my entire original business plan was I just need a container where I can put creative work and I can have a place to offer it where the structure's there. You know, I have the insurance, I have the framework, I've got, you know, bookkeeping set up, I've got structure there and out of the way so that I can just say, ooh, I have this idea and now I want to run this workshop that we're going to do this and this and this and that and, you know, I can just put it there. And so that's where it started. I, you know, I, I was back long enough ago that here in Colorado, I actually had to go into an actual physical office to register the name of the business. And I had a few names floating around and it just, Wild Rhythms just kept feeling like the right name. And I couldn't have even explained to you at the time why. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot more sense now, but I just went with it because it felt right. And I walked into the office, filled out the form. <laughs> there was no internet form back then. Um, <laughs> And there, and I walked out and I thought, I have no idea what I just did, but I have this business now. Isn't so here that we go. interesting? So it, it really resonates for where you are today. Some foresight that you didn't know you had. <laughs> Thank goodness. Because you know, it's, it's like, I love it still. And it's been so many things in these 19 years 
-hmm. it started out as, like I said, the container, which led right into being an arts-based environmental education consulting training program thing. And then with my life, as it's changed and morphed, and as I've grown and explored my own connection to wild nature, it's kind of grown with me. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it's actually, I think, pulled me along. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm one step behind going, hey, wait, 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 hold on a second. <laughs> can, can I have a say in this? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's really Wild Rhythms has made you grow too. Oh, I think, yeah. And I have to say now, as I reflect on it, I think it was one of the most profound experiences personally that I've had in terms of personal growth and professional growth. But, you know, it's made me meet all of my edges. It's made me confront all of my vulnerabilities and fears. I still have all that. I'm meeting edges all the time, programs and every, every new idea, every new client, you know, there's, there's new potentials there. Um, you know, and without anybody telling me what I needed to do on my work plan on any given day, in regards to wild rhythms, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not good. Sometimes that's a real challenge. (laughs) You know, it's like, can someone just tell me what I should do, please? (laughs) I think that we all feel that way quite often. And that's the, that's the challenge of being an entrepreneur, right? That there isn't somebody to tell you what to do and, and you have to listen to your own intuition, but also go against your, you know, overcome your fears and overcome those edges that you're not totally comfortable with. Yeah. And and I I would never have guessed if you'd asked me in 2003, you know, does starting a business and and running that take courage and the willingness to be vulnerable, the willingness to epically quote unquote fail. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't really believe in failure because everything that hasn't worked has been really good learning, but there've been some things that I put a lot of energy into and they just didn't go Mm -hmm. and have to, to not take that in and make it personal. As, oh, totally. instead just to say okay let me learn about what I offered how I described it what my audience is wanting let me take a breath um let me go outside and walk the dogs yeah. <laughs> do you think that the things that didn't go or didn't go as planned really helped you build what does work oh my gosh a hundred percent a hundred percent you know it helped me figure out what to um, build upon what to let Mm -hmm. go of, you know, a big thing that it it did was it helped me realize that a business is a co-creative process. I think Mm. with, well, in my case, it's with the, it's myself, the wild natural world, and also my, the people, my clients. And I think when I started out, I didn't understand that it was okay to, to kind of create with your clients. Mm. And I thought I was supposed to have all the answers and just know what to offer and put these amazing workshops and programs out there and, and what I've, I've learned over the years is I actually really, really want and need my client feedback. I want to hear from them. You know, I, I love that. I, I think every program I run, I, I'm, I always have a little survey and it's like, please, 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 please. I just need a few minutes. I read every word, you know, because it's like, I can only go so far with, with what's in my mind and my own intuition, what I feel like is coming through me, which I think part of business can be very spiritual that way, mm-hmm. but also I want to meet people where they are, what they're wanting. Mm-hmm. And I put out some ideas over the years that I look back now. I'm like, well, no wonder nobody signed <laughs> up. I don't even know what I was talking about. Like, why was I thinking anybody else was going to know what I was talking about? <laughs> There's that vulnerable piece, right? Yeah. Allowing it to happen, but then, but then shift accordingly. Exactly. So you shift worked for the, the city and the state park system in how long how long have you, did you do that? Or did you, when did you make a transition to be completely on your own? Yeah, I would say it 
it's been a little bit of a back and forth. Um, Wild Rhythms was always there, um, varying levels of engagement, whether it was a very part-time or very full-time. I would say it's been probably the last five or eh, let's say maybe seven years mm -hmm. that this has been kind of front and center. As, what, was, as what was that transition like? I know that a lot of people are either working for a corporation or, you know, whether it's a park system or a corporation, they're still working in a structure of business and they're wanting to go off on their own and or wanting to transition. And what was the transition like for you? You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was rough. You know, I, know. I did it too. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not like, pretty. <laughs> it's, it's it was very messy, and I I got as prepared as I could. But there, I knew there was. I felt like my life was becoming a bottleneck, and because I had other obligations and also wild rhythms, wild rhythms was my thing. It was mm -hmm. always always getting the back seat, because I had other organizations or people that were paying and expecting from me, and so there was a lot of work that needed a lot of attention. And so when I made that shift, the first thing I, I did was spend several months really digging in and creating and building and, and refining my systems, you know, on the inside of my business and all these things that just needed my time. But, you know, it didn't generate a ton of income right then, mm -hmm. you know, and I still, I still ask myself the question, you know, I'm very open to the idea that um, I don't ever want this business to be something that I have to uh, force, Mm -hmm. You know, like I want to do work that I love and I'm really inspired about. And, you know, I'm very open to the possibility I may decide to bring in some additional work at some point, you know, so that I can maybe do just a certain amount of this or that, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so that was the other thing I, 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 I'm always trying to guard against is I don't want to lose my inspiration for Wild Rhythms because I put too much pressure on it, mm -hmm. you know. So that's a, it's always a dance I'm finding and, and that's, that's really a great outlook too, because as we get in the groove of a business or in the trenches of the business, which is even harder to be in, it, it's easy to lose sight of why you're there and it becomes a drudgery of doing it every day. And then you're, like you said, you're losing that inspiration. So it's, it is important to remind yourself of why, why, why wild rhythms is important, not to you, but to others. Yeah. And I like how you're saying that, you know, why is our, why are our businesses important to others as well? You know, why, mm -hmm. I mean, I think business really, honestly, in one of its highest forms can be this gift. It's, it can be a service. It can be, you know, all the beautiful things we often assign to nonprofits. You know, I think business, you know, the world runs on businesses and I think conscious businesses that are very deliberate um, can make massive change. And I know as a solopreneur, that requires me to be inspired and not burned out. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Easier said than done. Sometimes. Easier said than done. That's right. <laughs> um, so, so tell us what is Wild Rhythms today? Today, Wild Rhythms is a business that focuses on working with largely practitioners who are interested in weaving their own uh, wild connections to nature, to their sense of um, sacred nature into the work that they're offering. Mm -hmm. And so I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, also some training programs. And so I'm talking about, you know, like I've got clients who are life coaches, forest, forest bathing guides, um, therapists, educators, you know, I had a hospice nurse as a client, you know, people mm -hmm. who want to weave their 
their love of wild nature and their sense of, of their own spiritual selves in wild nature into unique offerings for their clients. And what I really love to do is help people like weave their passions and say, okay, what's this really cool, unique thing that isn't happening in the world yet? You know, cause the world needs, I think, here's my big red flag, you know, opinion coming out. The world needs as much creative nature connection work as we can, as we can put out there and all the different flavors that people are going to bring to the table. You know, that I have clients with ideas that I would never personally have thought of, you know, but it's so cool. I, one client is a, a quilter or a seamstress person and her, her vision is beautiful, you know, and I think we need all those, we need all that work to live on this mm. earth right now. And so that's what really, do you do? yeah. No, what do you think that, so the nature connection piece, what does that do for us? Let's talk about that for a little bit. And, and how does the spiritual piece weave into that? Yeah, I think to talk about nature connection, the first thing we have to sort of talk about is what even is nature connection and does mm. it exist? You know, there, there are certain languages that don't even have a separate word for like the human nature, you know, and so it's hard in, in, in English. I, I find when I write and talk and speak about it, it's like, my words almost create more of, you know, as much of a division as we're trying to not have, you know, mm -hmm. humans in nature or let's connect with nature. It's like, we're separate and there it is. You know, so I think the first thing that's an important conversation is what is nature connection? You know, if we see ourselves as part of nature and every bite of food and every sip of water and every breath of air as something that intimately connects us every day with nature, um, it can be nature connection can explode in our minds. And so for everybody to say, what does it mean to me? You know, for somebody, it might mean trail running up a wilderness trail for somebody else. It might mean, you know, being a gourmet chef in their kitchen, you know, really mm -hmm. being conscious about all the beautiful food that they're preparing. You know, I think it's, um, but I think the conscious awareness of nature connection, however we define it, it helps center us. It helps us locate ourselves as beings on this earth, as part of this vast and amazing web of life you know, not people that shouldn't be here, not people that are in charge of everything and at the top of the pyramid, but people that are in it with all the other beings. And so to me at, at its core, when we look at it that way, um, I think it can, it can expand our worldview of ourselves, our role mm -hmm. that we play, our sense of, I mean, you know, ecological identity is a term that it kind of describes that. And it, it can, I think, bring with it inspiring um, options for us, sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it can really inform our way of being. So when you're talking, you're working with practitioners or in the conversations with whatever level of the people that you're working at, do you ever, um, do you ever find that people don't understand what their connection is or how do, how do people that have maybe don't have an exposure to the outdoors or don't have an exposure to nature, how do they learn how important that is? Oh gosh. Yes. I, I would say that I, I encounter that a lot and I have, which surprises me. Right. So in my own little bubble, how do you not know? How do you not know that? But I know that, and I'm always amazed or I, maybe I'm just really naive in, and realizing that there's people that don't have never been to a body of water or spend zero time outside. Yeah, you know, I think it's 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 interesting because in the way that I would define nature connection, mm -hmm. it's everywhere all the time, indoors and outdoors. Mm -hmm. There's wilder nature outside. There's, you know, there's a lot of variations of that. But I mean, you could be standing in an elevator in a high rise in a big city, you know, and there's going to be um, wood paneling or carpeting on the ground or, or plastic buttons that are, are, you know, ancient life forms. I mean, you know, like if we, if we put the perspective there, 
Mm -hmm. I think it's everywhere. But I think when we say nature connection, generally speaking, people think, oh, well, I don't live anywhere near a national forest or I don't live by the ocean or all of that. And so I think if, if we start to say, okay, but, but wait a minute, you know, even if you go from an air conditioned car into a parking garage, into an office building, there's still air flowing. You're still going to feel a temperature change when you're in that garage versus when you get inside the building, there's still going to be all of these ways that we can aware, become aware of our connection to nature. You know, we're still going to know, like here in Colorado, people are still going to watch the weather. And if it's a snowstorm, they're probably going to leave earlier, even if they're going to curse the snowstorm and, and, you know, be in a grouchy mood all day. They're still there's that's some nature connection there. Like, oh, I got to leave half an hour earlier because the roads are going to be bad, you know. So I think it's like it starts with saying to somebody, you know, what does nature mean to you? And then this is the important part too, is like, what is, what is your heart asking for you around this? You know, a lot of people I've met who don't think about themselves as having a nature connection also have like a yearning for it, mm. you know? So it's do like you have a, to help them identify what that yearning is? So it's there, but maybe do they not have a, a connection, a definition of their yearning or do they have a, a little idea that that's really what it is? You know, I've seen both. I've, I've seen some people say, I have, I have no connection to nature and I just wish I did, mm -hmm. you know, and here's this person who walks their dog every morning and lives, you know, like, well, let's talk about all the connections that you do have, you know, mm -hmm. but then I've also seen people who, who are out all the time and it's not part of their yearning for them. It's like, I'm going out to go running. Like, I don't even consider the part that it's like I'm running through a beautiful trail system or a beautiful park, you know? So, I mean, this is a journey that I think everybody has to kind of take for themselves of like, what is it that nature means to them? What is it that their sense of being connected to it means? Because I think there's a lot of benefits for ourselves and for the world around us. But of course, if somebody doesn't care, you know, you can't really, you know, I, I would look at it and say, everybody's got an ecological self. We're all nature beings. It doesn't matter if you are conscious about it or not, because we all have to have air water, you know, like it, it's just is, it's a, it's a biological fact, but there's a difference between that and the emotional cognitive awareness and, then and the bringing to awareness it. to them for them to bring awareness to what they're, they're taking in and they might just not realize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say in my career, more people that I've encountered, you don't realize it than mm -hmm the people who I've encountered who don't care. Yeah. A very so small too. number of people I've encountered are like, I don't really care. I mean, tiny numbers compared to the people who are like, oh my gosh, I didn't think about eating oatmeal as part of my nature connection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so how does the spirit spirituality piece come into play too? I think for a lot of, a lot of people and myself included, you know, when we see ourselves as part of this web of life, this amazing, vast, diverse web of life that quite frankly is full of more mysteries than, than what, than, you know, we know a little bit, we don't know a lot. Mm -hmm. I think it was Einstein who said something to the effect of, you know, we only know one half of 1% of what nature has chosen to reveal to us. I may have just butchered that a little bit, but something like that, you know, so I think when we, when we focus on our own nature connection and we value, it's a value in our life and we, we create space for the awareness and appreciation and, and activity of it. It, 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 it like helps us to see ourselves. It helps us to dance with those eternal spiritual mysteries, like life and death and meaning i mean you know it's really hard uh, here in colorado you know, you go on a trail for a hike you're gonna hit life and death there will be a body of a chipmunk or a mouse or a part of a rabbit that somebody else predated you know there's gonna be um 
evidence of all of these universal things that regardless of our spiritual beliefs, regardless of our cultures, these are, there's universals here about this mystery of being on this planet. And I think that nature, uh, when we're conscious about our role in it and our connection to it, it, it allows us to see that in a way that it keeps us from, from pretending that it's not the truth that we are living in this. Mm. We're living in a mystery and mm-hmm. we, our, our species has tried to answer that mystery for years. We're never going to fully answer it. We can only guess. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's interesting. To, uh, an interesting way to look at that as well and the evolution of everything that we see around us also. Yeah. And so when you're, when you're either dealing one-on-one or in a group setting, what, what is the, is it, well, is there a typical topic to start with? Are there stages of education or stages of exposure that you, um, that you're giving to people or how does that work? You know, I would definitely say there's not a typical place. It kind of depends on the person or the audience. So like if I was doing a program for like a general public audience, Mm -hmm. Um, like when I've done wellness programs for businesses where it wasn't like the 15 people there personally signed up and said, Ooh, I want to go do this sense of place nature workshop. You know, they got this opportunity basically forced on them from, you know, um, that's a different audience than when I've got people who've self-selected into a really intensive retreat Mm -hmm. about deepening your sacred connection to nature. And those people, you know, so it kind of depends on that, but the other pieces at the core of it, the part that is, I would say the same, mm-hmm. that I am not the one teaching anything. You know, I feel like my role is 100% facilitation. I just create the space and the container. And then I need to get out of the way because it's the person in the wild earth. It's the person and the bird in the tree. It's the flower growing. It's the stream. It's whatever is happening. You know, that's the relationship. That's where the transformation, that's where any quote unquote teaching Mm-hmm. You know, so I kind of feel like I'm just there as the human bobblehead for the earth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I'm the one who said, here's the sign up form and here's the directions to the, you know, the, where we're going to park and, um, and then to create some structure to provide some, uh, you know, opportunities for exploration. I mean, one thing I've seen a lot, especially with, with, um, you know, more generalized programming is people are like, I want, I want to be out here and do this. I have no idea where to start. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just walk up the trail. So what do I do? So giving little ideas for things, mm-hmm. but then knowing that at the end of the day, my job is to get out of the way mm-hmm. because I don't know what's happening in their heart and soul and with the earth, what, what's going on between them. That's, you know, what kind of trans transformations or what kind of changes and do you see while people are working through the programs? You know, I, Again, so, so many, depending on where somebody is coming in and what their goals are, you know, Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen people like, let's say it's a practitioner who's coming in, wants to develop more of their own practice and then weave it into their work with clients. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really fun to see how they're experiencing things and and how they're also simultaneously finding inspiration. Like, oh, you know, I've got this, I've got these clients and we do this monthly gathering and I'm going to, you know, do this thing. Um, I've also seen, well, here's a good story. I was leading a hike. This was you know, very much a, a very general mainstream public program. It was on the natural history of black bears, just their lifestyle. Mm. And I turn around at one point and this woman is tears running down her face. And I thought, oh my gosh, did she get stung by a bee? What happened? You know, I'm like, oh, we have an emergency here. And so I, I, of course I checked in with her and she said, I just didn't know I had so much in common. 
with another species. And I could feel from her, like this was a big worldview shift moment. And she did stay after the hike. And we talked a little bit more. And I mean, honestly, I think for her, that was a, a big personal identity shift. Mm. You know, and I, 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 that, those are the moments that to me, I feel like, I don't know where she is in the world today. This was 20 years ago or what she's done with it. But if, if there's any way to be a part of it, of her, you know, somebody's appreciation, seeing themselves in another animal, another species, mm-hmm. you know, finding our commonality. I mean, to me, that's like the stuff that could change the world. If we wow. see ourselves in other life, we are going to have to behave as if the other life matters as much as we do. And, and if she wasn't exposed to that, she would never know. She would never know. Exactly. Wow. Which is why I think accessibility, you know, creating really good, solid programs with a lot of integrity, mm-hmm. being very aware as like when I work with practitioners, one thing that we have to, you know, we talk a lot about is, is how to create diverse and, you know, programs that are accessible. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we've got to make sure that this work is reaching people in all different ways and avenues and walks of life. The diversification is really, really important because yeah. it's, um, it's unfortunate that, that the outdoors isn't as diverse as you would expect it to be, or it's not a reflection of the diversity in the outdoors. So the people oh, that exactly are it. going outdoors, <clears throat> it's definitely not a reflection. And so what you know, do we need to do to do? Yeah. How, do how does that change? Well, I think there's a lot of ways for, for this to change. And I think we're talking about a, a deep cultural and in some cases institutionalized um, challenge, you know, that, that we've got to work at from a lot of angles. You know, it's like a, you know, sociologically or ecologically, they call them wicked, wicked problems. And there's so many influences that create a challenge. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I know that I've seen and that I, I personally um, think is an important part of this conversation is going back to the definition of nature connection mm-hmm. and knowing that everybody's going to have their own experience. They're going to bring their own personal stories, family stories, you know, ancestral stories. And so for, for one person, for example, I actually saw this happen at a conference. There was a service learning field trip to go out and to work on a local farm. And for some people, that was really fun and novel. And let's go do this. For another person who uh, was raised in the Deep South and her ancestors, her as recent as her grandparents were forced into, you know, a slave situation, servitude on mm. farms. She was like, that, that doesn't feel good to me at all. Wow. And as a facilitator, we have to be careful and understand that this is where that personal definition and understanding of what nature means to each of us what it means to connect and what, what would actually be nourishing and helpful for us as individuals, mm-hmm. you know, because for her, there were other ways she was going to have a, a better experience, mm-hmm. you know, and what was really, I was grateful to her for sharing that with all of us because I was not aware of, of what she was going through. I was in the same little group that she was in heading off to the farm for the field trip. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what she was dealing with. I was worried about, do I have enough water in my backpack? Right. My, my experience was different. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's one of the ways is, is being sensitive to the fact that it does nature connection, sacred nature connection does not mean one thing and nobody can define it for anybody else. Mm. And giving people the space to express how they're receiving or what they need. 
Yeah. And what would actually be inspiring and exciting to them? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, like this particular person was really, she was an entomology uh, entomologist and, you know, she lit up when we, you know, like started talking. So she just decided she would go to the farm and, and look at the butterflies and insects and, you know, make it something for herself, but she still had to do that work for herself. You know, that was something, it was a nature connection, you know, professional conference. So she had that skill set. The practitioner in me said, yeah, but what if she didn't have that skill set? What's my response? How do I create that opportunity for somebody? And that's, that can be a challenge too. Yes. And, but making, but I think that, excuse me, if more people are creating a more inclusive environment, that's going to help too. Yeah. And that's where I think if if more people say, okay, I have this passion, I have this idea, I have these experiences Mm -hmm. and I want to create something out of this that I can offer, Mm -hmm. you know, then by nature of the very um, effort of that, it's going to become more diverse and inclusive. It's not just going to be one type of programming offered over and over again. And every, no matter where you are in the world, if you go to this program, it's going to look this way. That's not serving Mm -hmm. diversity. That's not serving inclusion the way that innovation would, I don't think. So if we're offering nature to as many people as we can, that puts more people into nature. So let's talk about a little bit about responsibility because you mentioned it before. And I think it's an incredibly important topic is to understand what is our responsibility to support nature. If nature is going to support us, how are we going to support her? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I know we kind of dove down this when we were meeting and we before the podcast. I think this is a really important piece that whether we're personally going out mm-hmm. or we're working with clients or we're attending a program is we need to say, what's the reciprocity here? And mm-hmm. I think the answer to that can be as varied as there are people, certainly as there are places. I think it's at first and foremost, it's an awareness and a commitment to finding a way to reciprocate. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, if, if somebody's always, um, they live in a neighborhood and they've got a trail and they walk their dog on that trail every day, you know, and it's just part of their life, maybe a reciprocation could be to set up a trail cleanup day or to go volunteer when one is set up by the organization who runs the trail or something like that. You know, if it's a business and people are, are using private land or something, you know, create a part of the annual business calendar to say, here's our volunteer days to go work and give back to the land. You know, if it's, um, let's say somebody like, let's maybe this woman who had the experience on the black bear hike that I mentioned, mm-hmm. maybe a reciprocation there could be to find a conservation organization that supports bears and bear habitat and become a member you know, mm-hmm. educate herself more about that. I mean, I think the, the, the actions can be small, they can be large, mm-hmm. they can be informal, they can be formal. You know, like I've certainly led programs where I was out of my own area, you know, like a guest in another state, and I wasn't going to be back there. In those cases, I would encourage people to dig within and say, what would be reciprocal that you could do here? Mm-hmm. Especially a conference, for example, where everybody's from someplace else you know, versus the programs that I might do on a regular basis around where I live, you know, my engagement reciprocity could be different. But I think we need to ask, you know, and it doesn't have to even be direct. Like I I know one woman who just decided to turn part of her yard into a pollinator garden. And that's her give back for all that she's gotten from, from the natural world, generally speaking, throughout her life. So it wasn't like she cleaned up trash in one trailhead. She just said, hey, I've got this little bit of land here that doesn't need to be grass. 
mm-hmm. I'm going to make it this thing, you know? So I think it's just, it, it starts with the awareness and the, the understanding that we are living in this collaborative, beautiful synergy with life around us. And we have a lot of power in that place. We don't have to be walking around feeling disempowered and depressed all the time because the climate, you know, these are hard issues we're dealing with and Mm -hmm. they're real. And I'm not trying to make light of those by saying one little action is going to change it, but there's seven and a half billion people. If you start, if you start exponentially increasing those actions, then if half of those people did one little thing, it will change it. Exactly. We have a lot we can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how do you think, so this, is one thing that I that I'm challenged with personally and one of the things that makes me makes me a little frustrated too so the socials <laughs> social media right and the pressure on social media the pressure that social media puts on us but also the pressure that social media puts on on nature so one example is the ridiculous so there's an opinion so <laughs> I'll take the opinions out so <laughs> <laughs> the TikTok, right? And so TikTok comes out here. Some people put some really great place on TikTok. And then all of a sudden, 900 million thousand people show up at this one place that can't support that. That's happened in our area a bunch of times. Yeah. And so there's that one piece that we that's that the social media brings into play. But I think that the other piece too is that that if we're looking at whether it's you know, Facebook groups or Instagram, everything looks perfect. So we're either going into a, into nature for the purpose of the gram. The reason that I'm here is to put something cool on my Instagram and I don't really care where I am. Or the other side of it is too, that I'm seeing all of these people doing these amazing things. I don't think I can do any of them. So I'm not going to do anything. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So social media brings into play and it does bring good things too, but just picking at some of the challenges that I've seen out there, what are your thoughts on social media and what do you see or what do you hear from people that you're talking to? Yeah. I mean, you're pinpointing a a tension point that I also feel viscerally, Mm -hmm. you know, as a small business owner, I've got social media presence. Mm -hmm. My business is about slowing down your rhythms and spending time in the natural world. So get off the computer kind of stuff, you know? So like, where's that balance between connecting with my audience Mm -hmm. and not being like a a spam for them, you you know? And I think, I think what going back to the reciprocal actions and how every little action adds up, I think social media, if we look at it as an ecosystem too, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we all check ourselves and our actions and we say, A, what are we putting out there? You know, and B, what's our intention and, and C, what are we responding to? Mm -hmm. You know, like if we just don't respond to stuff that's icky, it's gonna, it's gonna take it away, you know, from being the dominant thing. And we're gonna, you know, social media is not going to go away. And I I do think there's some, some beautiful, amazing positives. And there's some Mm -hmm. very, very scary. It's like, we haven't evolved as quickly as social media has, and we just don't know how to deal with it. You Mm -hmm. know, and I think that those are Um, but I think in terms of the natural world, I've also seen it play a really important role. You know, this trail is super muddy, um, from the rains last night, stay away. It's getting destroyed, you know, and, and I've seen like local ranger park rangers be able to put this stuff out there like that. And, Mm. you know, so I think if we just have our intention for what is it that we're doing and how often, 
and like I said, this is a, a live and well tension for me. I'm, I'm constantly adjusting that just as a business owner in this realm, because it, it is a new, it's a new frontier. Mm-hmm. Like when I started yeah. Wild Rhythms, there was no social media. I, I mean, I don't even, you know, like it was a whole new part to integrate. What the heck do I do with this thing? You know? Right. Yeah. So totally. I think if we, but it's- if we use it positively and we just start saying, mm-hmm. this is how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's an important thing to consider is what I like how you said that social media is in its own um, ecosystem. That's an interesting way to look at that. And then being conscious about how we're using it, because you're right, there are very positive ways to communicate different things that might be going on in, in nature. Yeah. And, and there's ways to, to inspire people to see the beauty around them. And there's ways, mm. you know, like, um, cause beauty is right outside our doors, no matter where we are. Mm-hmm literally a a weed growing up in a sidewalk is is beautiful if you take the time to look at it you know and so and I've seen some of that in social media I've actually you know found a photo that I've used in some blogs that are literally grass you know growing up in a sidewalk you know and it's it's so I think if it allows us to start to see that I think what we have to do is deal with the addictive qualities of it Mm -hmm. check ourselves and I I mean it's real I you know I it's I feel it in myself at times and it's like oh my gosh you know, I've got a little app on my computer that I can, I can turn on that will block all the social media so that I don't just find myself unconsciously over there while I'm trying to do oh. something else. Oh, wow. What app is that? <laughs> it's called freedom. Uh, I think it's freedom.us. It's great. And when you go to the site, when you're on a block, it'll put up a nice little green and white butterfly and it says you are free and you can set up, you know, like I set up a social media and a news and I, I called the little group of, of websites time sinks. And I, so if I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to block my time sinks oh, for boy. three hours and then you can set it for a certain amount of time. And then if you want to override that, you have to turn off your computer and start over. So you can't just go oh. in and override it. You have to be, you know, I think, I, I, think I need to do some research here. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. And I, and I can feel it when I get close to the end, it's like two hours and I set it for three. It's like, Oh, I just want to go check my messages, you know, <laughs> or like what's happening in the news, you know? So I, I feel the truth of that. And I think we're all, we're all in a place as beings on this earth where we are dealing with that as a new beast for sure. It, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. And how do you feel that, do you see a difference? Well, there was a difference during COVID, but now that we're hopefully on the other side of COVID, what transitions have you seen in people through this time? You know, as COVID started, I, I definitely, I think a lot of us saw a huge increase in interest in being outdoors, you know, mm-hmm. people living around trailheads. I mean, you can't park anywhere near a trailhead in Boulder for Still the last can't. two years, I'm not happy. Where, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and at the same time with that came a very clear, obvious understanding that there was a, that loving something to death is real, you know, mm. people like, Oh, I'm just going to go climb this mountain you know, but I, I haven't, you know, I don't really know exactly how I'm supposed to do this to be really appropriate. So I think it, it's, it's shown me as an educator that where some important gaps are, I think that the love of nature excitingly got ignited. Mm-hmm. You know, I've definitely seen more people out in the local parks here than I ever d- said before the pandemic. I also think it's an interesting thing that we're seeing as we're moving back into life. You know, what, what are people going to do with that? I mean, there's, 
there's some real challenges going on for like, for example, in animal shelters right now, they're overflowing across the country because people got pandemic dogs Mm. and now their lives are going back, you know, and to me, this is where we have to stop ourselves and say, okay, so what does, what does deep honest connection really mean? And, and how do we, how do we, um, how do we move forward understanding our connection to the world around us in a way that is responsible and respectful and I think it starts with education and I think it starts with, with experience, you know, people mm. letting themselves learn some things, letting themselves understand how do you be on this trail? How do you do these things? Or mm. what does it mean to adopt a dog? Mm. You know, like really, 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 what does that mean? And how is that part of wild nature connection? Cause I think it is a hundred percent, you know, um, in my mind anyway, <laughs> it may not oh, make sense to everybody right. listening, but you mm-hmm. know, to me, there's no difference. It's about us as humans connecting with the life around us and not centering ourselves as, as primary in all cases. Mm. Um, and that really speaks to the importance of your work in creating that deep, honest connection. You know, and, and I think that it's a lot of work. A lot of people are doing various forms of this work. I think it can, it doesn't have to just be nature workshops like I do. It can be anybody's work. You know, it doesn't matter what somebody's doing. It The natural world is the backdrop. It is the front drop. It's the center drop. You know, I mean, um, it's, it's just, a, it's an awareness piece and it's just us saying, all right, we're part of it. We're all connected. The pandemic definitely showed us that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we've, we've got um, a really impressive opportunity right now to say, okay, we've got the reality of where what we've got here. What do we do moving forward individually and collectively? And I, I really do think those deep connections, are, you know, we've got to, we've got to have the relationships and the love underneath our actions. And so in order to, to work on that process or in order to make a difference for, um, how do people find you? Um, I've got a website, um, wild-rhythms.com. I've also got, how everybody laugh now, I've got a Facebook group <laughs> <laughs> called Sacred Connection, Earth, Animals, Spirit. And uh, I'm always happy to chat. So people are welcome to reach out. Um, I'm happy to connect with people. I just think it's, these are important conversations regardless really of whether are. or not people are working together. It's just, we need to inspire each other and, and move forward collectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. And, and we'll make sure that your um, contact information is in the show notes as well. Awesome. So Deb, I want to thank you. I know that we could probably talk so much about, there's so many pieces that we didn't delve into because there could even be a part two here. There's so much to work with, but I want to thank you very much for your time today. And and sharing your wisdom. And I look forward to further conversations. Oh, and I'm honored to have the invitation and and I really enjoyed it as well and happy to chat anytime. So thank you for doing this really beautiful podcast work as well. Thanks so much. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Dean. Welcome, welcome. And what a wonderful story that Deb was talking about, isn't it? Beautiful. So there's just so many things. I'm going to talk more about what Deb talked about because it's so fantastic. So I came to you today for the rising up segment, Jean, ready to talk about questions. Mm -hmm. So my coaching clients, and I'm not the first person to say this by any means, always talk about how I say that 
Um, the quality of our lives and our businesses are directly related to the quality of the questions we learn to ask ourselves and what we do with the answers that we get. And recently, a friend of mine from college sent me an article that was all about questions because she knew I loved it. And it was all about this idea of transformational questions and how they lead us on a quest and this connection between the word quest and question. And 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 maybe we think of a journey, a quest as a journey of soul questions and just so many things in that. And so nature obviously gives us lots of opportunities to find new questions to ask and to find new inspirations for new questions that can lead us to new uh, transformational uh, discoveries, things, aha moments like the woman on the black bear path that Deb talked about. And, you know, I loved that what she said about the language and, and where our language uh, keeps us constricted unless we learn to question it, right? This idea of I'm going to be, a, I'm going to have a relationship with nature means maybe I think it's outside of me. And um, so the language of our questions and how we can learn from nature to even question the way we form a question, mm-hmm. right? And and what we think about it. And so this idea that transformational questions can really change our direction in life. And so what if we look at these quest questions as those deeper questions? And what if we get intentional about those deeper questions? So uh, Deb mentioned, you know, what does nature or a nature connection mean to you, mean to me? That's a great question to ask, especially before I have an encounter with nature, right? Whether it's walking outside, which by the way, I have a plot of land in the middle of my urban yard that's all pollinators and it's so wild, Deb. So (laughs) I thought you were talking about me for a second. And then what can nature teach me today? It can be a really simple question that leads to a discovery you can't even imagine yet. What can nature teach me today? Um, How can I learn to serve? You guys talked today about how we serve nature and how how can nature support me? But then how can I support the natural world and the wholeness of our world is a great question to ask. Um, I loved what Deb said about life's mystery. What can I see of life's mystery that will bring me more in touch with the important questions my soul needs me to ask? Mm. How about that? Mm. Right. Let's just see how juicy that can get. Um, so my question for all of us this week is, what will your quest in nature be this week? What activity, what thing can you do that maybe Deb inspired you to do to get outside to do something that connects you to nature? And what quest related questions will you come up with before you, you have that experience? What questions are important to you to answer this week? And I can't wait to hear what that turns into. Thank you for this, Jean. And thank you to Deb, too. This was wonderful. I love that, Lynn. And I never put the connection between quest and question together. Yes. It's brilliant. Juicy, juicy. juicy. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Jean. 
Yeah. And, and so I want to thank everyone for listening. Today's show was sponsored by Seaside Solutions, my financial services company. And as a business owner, it's easy to be pulled in many directions and often taking care of yourself plummets to the bottom of the list or even going outside that plummets. So for me, I find myself outside to reground. My time outdoors helps me manage my day more effectively and be more present for my clients. Through this, Discover Rising Tides was born. And at Seaside Solutions, we truly believe that education is the foundation of financial wellness. And our primary focus is to provide guidance that is designed to help achieve your long-term financial goals and visions. And working with a plan, within a plan allows space for doing more things that you love, like being outside to make the inside better. If I can help you recreate or create and realign your plan, or if you'd like to be added to the weekly newsletter, please let me know. And in this week's topic how money makes a difference in conversations is crucial right now. Your referral means the big, beautiful world to me. If I can help, please let me know. And thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Have a great day.